dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. I don't really know how to do banter when we just recorded. Um, we could talk about how one of the largest dinosaurs was an ancestor of the hippo which is also a very large animal like nowadays. But somebody said that, I saw this thing that said that, that hippos kill more humans than any other animal. And then like third was deer. And I was like, at first I thought, I am not afraid of deer. Exactly. Yeah. I am not afraid of deer. And so I thought that's exactly it. I've also heard that geese injure people. This and is I've, weird, Father Michael. I've, this is weird banter. <laughs> I don't know why you're going this way. I ate a grasshopper. I ate grasshoppers yesterday for the first time. That's not weird at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you have a total normal, normal banter topic that is just so ordinary and not about hippos killing people, but rather about just a nun randomly walking through the forest and eating grasshoppers. What do you think? You're John the Baptist or something? No. Guillermo, Guillermo brought, they were like chili, grasshop, oh. chili flavored grasshoppers. I had one of those the other day. I bought them for Father Nathan's girls and three of the five ate them. Two of the five did not. I bet I, I, bet I can guess which two didn't. I don't even remember right now. Wait, I, I know one. I know one that didn't and... Okay, I know the two that didn't. Go ahead, okay, guess. Okay, I bet one of them, I bet one of them was Molly. Molly, you're correct. And I bet the other one was Sydney. No, Sydney did. Huh. Oh, then it would have been um, Rosie definitely would have eaten one. Um, Actually, Rosie did and then spit it out, though. Okay, that doesn't surprise me, actually. Yeah, so she, she counted as one of the two? No. So okay. with, with, with Rosie, I literally had to like, I, I know her well enough that you have to like challenge her. You have to say like, you're not girl enough to do this. And, uh-huh. then, she, and then she'll like, you'll do that. And then, okay, that's a, a bit of manipulation, but it's about eating. It was uh, crickets, like, like flavored crickets. Anyway, and Wait, so, so she did, it was crickets. We so ate she, grasshoppers. That's more biblical, but we ate crickets, which I guess is... Oh. It was in it was in this like this jerky shop along the drive to Phoenix that Father Nathan and I did. But she put it in her mouth and like took like one little half chew and then ran to the kitchen and, and spit it out. Maybe they were crickets. Are grasshoppers also a thing? Uh Saint John the Baptist ate them, along with wild now honey. I, now I don't know what we ate. <laughs> I don't know. Locusts. But they were, That's they were biblical good. too. They wasn't locusts. Oh, okay. You're right. That was a weird topic. I just, it was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> That's what I did too. I was just like. <laughs> but you were talking about something that doesn't even have anything to do with either of us. Oh, well, you, you like, I wanted to fill the space and I just like, I jumped back into my little monkey brain. and was like, what's going on back there in the back of my brain, in my ADD brain. And it was all about hippos and dinosaurs and stuff like that. Deers and stuff. Deer. The deers is not, deers is not good grammar. Deers. I had like to if look up. Like if you're a grandfather and you go, hello, dears, and then you're talking to your grandkids, that's proper, right? That's D-E-A-R. That's not D-E-E-R. 
I didn't spell it though. The I had to look up the other day. The, I love how you just ignore me sometimes. Between, <laughs> <laughs> I had on, to look up on. the other day the difference between lay versus lane versus lied versus laid. That always confuses me. And yeah. so I used it in an email and I had to look it up because I always have to look it up every time I use it. And I was doing it incorrectly. So it's a good thing I looked it up. I have a friend, instead of looking things up, they just write every possible correct answer <laughs> <laughs> and like put it all in, in that's parentheses. That's actually pretty funny. It's just like, just insert the one that's correct. I have no idea. I don't want to take a look it up, but I, I know one of these is correct. I mean, also, I was writing Father Boniface, and so he would have loved me no matter what, because that's just what Father Boniface does. Does anybody not love you because you have bad grammar? Are there people like that in this world? There are totally people like that in this world. What? Oh my gosh! Yeah, they need to have bad I'm grammar. Sure. God, God needs to smite them with a with a bout of bad grammar, just so they realize they're still lovable, even they have bad grammar. Yeah. So, anyways, speaking of Father Boniface, I'm going to transition into <laughs> into the topic. You are so done with me right now. Go ahead. <laughs> it's very related. All I'm right. not. I just. It's you know it's ironic because this this episode is about like how much I love you and what a great father you are. <laughs> So the seriously though if if anyone um if anyone thinks that you and I are too mean to each other and that uh they don't realize how much we love each other then I'm going to start directing them to this episode because uh-huh. just wait Father Michael I'm talking about like all about how great you are on this that's what this episode is I'm going to try my best to be not awkward at all <laughs> That's my goal you're never awkward. I'm going to ex- accept your charity. I'm going to I'm going to say thank you instead of denying what you say. I'm going to do all the things that I advise my directees to do when when someone builds them up. So, here we go. I this is a that. test of practicing what I preach. So, this this episode is an extension of last week's episode in which we were talking about last week I was talking about the importance of of loving tenderly, especially fathers loving tenderly. And I also gave kind of my take on the Eastern perspective of what it is to love tenderly uh, a little bit. And then I shared a quote, a couple quotes in that episode from the apostolic letter Patris Corde, which is a father's heart or with a father's heart or something like that. It's an apostolic letter written by Pope Francis at the end of last year um, in December of 2020. So... I, I took this this letter, I'm a little bit repeating myself from the last episode, but I took this letter on Pustinia with me because I wanted specifically to do an episode on tender love and the the beauty of the tenderness that I've experienced from you as my father, Father Michael. And, and I wanted to share a quote from this letter. And so I took this letter with me on Pustinia, read the whole thing, prayed with it, because I wanted to have the context for the quotes that I was sharing. But then as I was praying it with it, I was like, man, this thing is so beautiful. This letter is so beautiful. And it articulates so much of what is beautiful to me about your fatherhood. And so much of what's been impactful in my life because of the way that you father. Um, Pope Francis articulates that very well in talking about the fatherhood of St. Joseph. So this episode is going to be just sharing my favorite parts from that apostolic letter. And, and kind of sharing how, how I've experienced that in my relationship with you 
And the reason this is relevant to Father Boniface is because I also experience a lot of these with, um, this is Father Boniface Hicks, for those of you who know him. And I experience a lot of this in my relationship with him as well. Um, But also he's just a great lover of St. Joseph. And so this document, when I told him that I had read this and how impactful it had been for me, he was was very glad because St. Joseph, um, like I just, I don't have a, I, I didn't have a relationship with St. Joseph before before this Pustinia. And then um, I was like, it's great that Sister Petra and Father Boniface like fangirl over him, but St. Joseph's just like not my kind of guy. But it turns out he is. So sorry to St. Joseph. You have a lot of like, not, not your type of saint. <laughs> I don't yeah, know any true. human beings that you're like. Oh, they're just not. You like you like ev- you love every single person that's still living, but like yeah, there are just some true. saints who are saints, and you're like, eh, <laughs> I'm over them. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're yeah, okay. And then wow. our Lord gives you experiences like this to show you that uh, you shouldn't be over saints so quickly. <laughs> I know. Between between you and me. I won't share this with anyone else. We'll pretend that there aren't a couple thousand okay. people listening to this. But um, between you and me, I've also had some beautiful experiences with St. Therese, but I'm not going to admit oh, that. Snap. So, yeah. Right. So the first, the first couple of things, the first couple of things that I want to share, the first two quotes from this document are actually more, more general and not specifically about fatherhood, but then all the rest of them are about fatherhood. So again, um, in case you didn't listen to last week's episode, I want to, I want to remind people that this is, this podcast, this, this episode is meant in my mind, it's meant to be an encouragement to, to all of our listeners, to men and women alike, to the men, I want to encourage you to really like, step up your game and be good spiritual fathers. Whether whether you're you're a priest, you're married, you're a single person, whatever it is, like all men are called to spiritually father in some way, just as all women are called to spiritually mother. And and this doesn't exclude, to repeat what I said on the last episode, it doesn't exclude biological fathers because biological fathers are also meant to spiritually father their children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I encourage all of the men in this and then I would encourage all of the women to just know that this is the kind of fatherhood that, that we receive primarily from God the Father, but also that the men in our life, those who are called to father us, um, that God has put into our life, like this is the fatherhood with which they're called to to father us. So an encouragement there too. So the first quote, St. Joseph reminds us that those who appear hidden or in the shadows can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation. Those who appear hidden or in the shadows can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation. And I like this one simply because I've, I've talked about this before, but it's it's uh, it's for me a a reminder of the goodness and the necessity of monasticism, mm-hmm. because the the monastics are the ones who are hidden or in the shadows. Um, but but it's like there's there's the image. I love this image and I know I've shared it on the podcast before, but there's this image of, of the monasteries as being like the power plants. And so the, they're off where, where some people might not even know that they exist and yet they're supplying the power for, for the society Hmm. um, by, by their prayers and um, praying for the world. So I like that quote. And if you have anything to say on any of these, Father Michael, maybe just like give it a hand signal or something so that I don't just keep like rambling. 
So absolutely, so. we'll do. Especially since we're having the technology problem where I can't hear your first couple words, so I might not hear yeah. if you start speaking. So give me some sort of motion. So a lot of technology problems today. The the second quote: the greatness of Saint Joseph is that he was the spouse of Mary and the father of Jesus. So I I really like this one because it's just like his greatness purely was relationship. Mm-hmm. The 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 greatness that he had was that he was the spouse of Mary and the father of Jesus. Yeah. And and I like this because it's, you know, we talked about this in the Docomos episodes, one of them that the the beauty of nuns wearing their habits, like part of the beauty of that for me is that when people approach me, I know that it's not actually about me <laughs> because they don't even know me at all. The, it's it's that I am a spouse to Christ, and that's what's drawn them to me. Beautiful. And and it's a similar thing with the collar. You know, it's not about you; it's about your identity as priest and as father. And so it's it's not it's not who you are; it's whose you are. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all about relationship. Like that's that's where your greatness lies is, is your relationship. Um, and that's that. not taking away from our individuality or our, our humanity or who we are. Um, but it just, it shows that, that we are trying as individuals with certain temperaments and certain, uh, certain skills and, and things we've worked on to build ourselves up virtues, et cetera, but that we are, we have given all of that over, hopefully, I mean, to one extent or another. Ideally, we've given all that over to Christ. He's done something with it, and then then He has said, "I want you with your personality to be to be a, a, a mirror of Me, to be a, mm-hmm. a, a beacon of, of My love." So, yeah, the the two work together, hundred percent, hundred percent, very very well. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so those are the the first two quotes, and the and and now I want to move into. Specifically, specifically fatherhood, and specifically Father Michael, your fatherhood, because I think that you emulate very well the fatherhood that's explained. That's um, that that Pope Francis, the fatherhood that he writes of Saint Joseph having, which Saint Joseph obviously is emulating the fatherhood of God, the Father. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So this next quote about Saint Joseph: He turned his human vocation to domestic. He, sorry, he turned his human vocation to domestic love into a superhuman oblation of himself, his heart, and all his abilities. And, and first of all, this, re- this reminded me of, um, so St. Joseph turned his human vocation into this superhuman oblation. And it, this reminded me of a homily you gave years ago, which I'm sure you've said since then, but um, back before I entered the monastery, I remember very clearly this line from your homily that that you believe that all of us have a natural call to marriage, but that some have a supernatural call mm. to celibacy. And the reason I love that quote is because so often people think, and I clarify this in every talk that I give, basically, people think that that my call to celibacy somehow replaced my call mm. to to marriage. Like, you know, people think that that priests and nuns, they often have this misconception that like there's no desire in us for marriage or there's yeah. no desire in us for for biological children. And it's like, it's not that our call has replaced those desires, it's that our call has transcended those desires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first of all, it reminded me of, of that homily that you've given, but also simply like, I just, I just see the Lord 
so clearly. I see him accepting your oblation, this this superhuman oblation of yourself and and using it for his service, using it for for the glory of his kingdom. And I see this in in your tenderness, which I which I um talked a lot about on the last episode and I'll continue to talk about later on in this one, but your your non-judgmental nature, your gift of really making others feel seen and and feel known and feel safe. Um your zeal, your humor, and and all of these things would make you an amazing spouse and an amazing biological father. Um, and yet you offer them as, as oblation. Um, again, to repeat that line from the document, oblation of himself, his heart, and all of his abilities. And so it's like the, the Lord accepts these things from you and he uses them to, to glorify himself through you. So that's... Amen. Well, thank you for that, and I, I do, <clears throat> I do have the a very, very authentic reaction to hearing that. That is, that calls me on to do that, um, but also to to purify the to purify the the intentions behind that, because I know mm-hmm. they're not they're not all completely pure. A lot of it is is you know, it's, it's, it's fun to be that way. And God has given me the <laughs> ability to at least show that on the surface, but that's not always the interior, you know, reasons. It, it of course is, is much more selfish than that, but, but I'm, I'm glad that that shows because that's, that's certainly what I do want, but it, I think these things are good. Sometimes you mentioned last time we can be, we can be called on to do something through, through having it stated through, you know, conviction or, or, um, even uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, um, I don't know. It's like thing. I you you know I'm I'm mad at this. You need to change, and here's how you need to change. Um, so like a rebuke or something. Yeah, there you go. Rebuke. That's a good way. Um, or or through saying you know just you have so much more potential. I'm disappointed you did not live up to it. Mm. Or just by hearing here here's what you're doing well, but we realize um, that 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 also that can be better if we purify the reasons behind the intention. So thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Thank you. So there's then, um, I'm not going to comment on this because it's what most of the last episode about was about, but uh, then there's the, the quote about tenderness where Pope Francis writes, the evil one makes us see and condemn our frailty. Where the, whereas the spirit brings it to light with tender love, which is something actually that I've talked about on other podcasts of, you know, it's, it's, it might surprise people sometimes to hear that the devil wants us to see our sin, but sometimes the devil does want us to see our sin, but he wants us to see our sin in this light that Pope Francis says. He wants us to see it and condemn our frailty. Like he wants us to be stuck there. Uh, Whereas the spirit wants us to see our sin and, and to bring it, the spirit brings it to light with tender love. Like he wants us, that God wants us to see our sin always with hope, always with a way forward, and and for the sake of contrition, not for the sake of condemnation. Yeah. So so anyways, the evil one makes us see and condemn our frailty, whereas the spirit brings it to light with tender love. Tenderness is the best way to touch the frailty within us. And then he references Revelation twelve ten and says, Only tender love will save us from the snares of the accuser. And so I'm yeah, again, I'm not gonna expand on the tenderness there because that's what that's what most of the last episode was about. But then, unless you have any further comments on that quote, 
Um, I, I don't. I actually want to go back to something you said earlier that's just that I'm still kind of mulling around in my mind, so I'm going to say it to get it out there. Um, um, you mentioned that with, with and I, I, you actually said it much more eloquently than I'm sure I ever did, but we all have a call, a natural call to marriage that's built into us, and then, then we have a, a, some of us have a supernatural call to celibacy. Um, again, in the East, celibacy finds its natural home in, within the monastery, with, you know, within mm-hmm. the ascetical life, the monastery. So there's, there's in a sense of, of you've transcended it, but I, I, this is something I'm just learning again. I know I've mentioned it once and I'm actually going to do a whole podcast on this. So I don't want to say too much now, but there's something about celibacy that I really do think um, I need to ask you, sister, to make sure I haven't already talked about this because you remember these things and I don't. Um, <laughs> But but there's something about you know okay maybe it's transcended it but it's also fallen short of it so that that you you can you can become you can become a celibate out of a a call to to that transcendent celibacy but you can also become a monk or a nun out out of out of great weakness and out of out of mm. the and I mean this is this is kind of what Augustine said you know he says mm-hmm. I I'm so I'm so broken by my past. Um, sexual adventures, if you will, that that I cannot live a life of a good marriage. Now, Christ mm-hmm. can heal that. Of course, he can. He could have healed Augustine. He could heal anybody, so that you can live a life of marriage, if if that's what he's calling you to. But there, there is a sense of of celibacy is also a response um, to to saying. Um, I cannot live this unless God gives me the grace to, and that it's transcendent, and that it's extraordinary and supernatural. But there's also a sense where I think celibacy, um, and this is something I don't think our, our contemporary world gets right, our contemporary church gets right. There's something about celibacy that that you get right very well, sister, and so does your monastery. That it is it is all about asceticism. It's about prayer, yeah. fasting, and almsgiving. It's a it's about it's about a a life of penance and repentance um, that is built into our to our daily life in a way that. Is not for marriage, so um, there there is a, a transcendent quality about it, but there's also a a a way of saying I I am almost I, I need more repentance than than someone in the married life does um, in in some ways, or at least being called to that uh, to to sacrifice these things out of out of not just out of vocation, but also out of repentance. So anyway, I'm gonna do a whole podcast on this. Um, Later on, because I that that sounds really really negative and kind of depressing the way I put it, but it actually is really really beautiful. What when, when kind of the, the way that our Lord I think is guiding me in this in this whole thought process. But anyway, um, yeah, I just want to say like so the, the both are true. You you can you within celibacy you can have a, a great range of of reasons for for living that life. So I'm not going to yeah. answer that. Go ahead, I'll leave a message. <laughs> yeah. The I'm waiting for the sometimes yeah. your office phone goes there. Like, Call from <laughs> the <laughs> um, yeah. Mother Gabriella actually was just she had mentioned in a talk. She and I spoke at the Murberries retreat this past weekend, and she in in part of it, you know, she mentioned that part of her vocation, like she needed this vocation. Yeah. For the sake of her prayer, <laughs> and like, and I get it. You know, it's it's hard for me to pray in the world. It's hard for me to pray in the world. I'm sure it's hard for everyone to pray in the world. It's hard for moms to pray. I get that. But it's like, I think they do it in a way that I just couldn't. <laughs> you know, I I could by the grace of God if I entered into that vocation. But um, but yeah, this is you know he he calls us to the the call that we need <laughs> for the sake of holiness. Like that's that's what it is. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be a really good podcast though. 
So the next quote um, is from the same section as that tenderness quote, but it's, uh, it's at the end of it. It says, even through Joseph's fears, God's will, his history, and his plan were at work. Joseph then teaches us that faith in God includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties, and our weaknesses. He also teaches us that amid the tempests of life, we must never be afraid to let the Lord steer our course. At times, we want to be in complete control, yet God always sees the bigger picture. And this just reminded me of, um, I don't remember if you, I have this problem sometimes of conflating, especially when we do them back to back, conflating spiritual direction in the podcast. (laughs) Because basically, let's be honest, this podcast is just a way for me to get an extra hour and a half of spiritual direction every week. But the... There is there is one point either in direction or on the podcast that you were talking to me last week about or a couple of weeks ago um, about this this like weird thing that you do where you'll like smile or be fighting a smile oh, yeah. in direction as I'm can you can you articulate that because I like you can articulate it better than me. Yeah, it's a it, it's it's just a, a thing that I've noticed when. When I can, in a sense, as a as a spiritual father, I can I can see where something is going, and I can see that something is really really troubling you. Um, and I know that if I was in, if I was the one experiencing it, I would be. It's it's almost like a fog, you know. I, we don't we don't see clearly. Um, that's why we need community. Where we need where two or three are gathered. We don't see clearly. Um, what's going on because we are suffering so much or something is hurting so much. But, um, you know, there's that, but I think, you you know, you and I have had this relationship long enough that I can, I can, I've had repeated experiences of, of what Jesus does in your life. And, and God is never predictable. The devil's predictable. God is not, but in some ways he is. And then that, that is, is (laughs) the way he's going to, he's going to call you out. So there's, there's times where I have this, this, I don't resist it because it happens a lot, but I don't resist it with you just because I know I can explain it. And that's if, if someone is really hurting and they're, they're starting to manifest any sort of lack of hope or the, you know, the beginnings of, of despair, anything like that, where like, I just, I, I don't hold back that my smile because, and I know that that makes you frustrated sometimes, <laughs> but like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hold it back because I just, it's, I, I know, I know, I know, I know with my belief in Jesus Christ, how this ends and it ends with hope. It ends with joy. It ends with looking back on, on that time as a time of healing, of growth, of conviction, of growth and holiness, um, as a time of, of just of, of blessing, you know? And I, mm-hmm. so I, I, it's almost like experiencing it real time. So you're going to smile later on in a sense again it doesn't mean it's not incredibly painful or that it is completely life-changing and that that there isn't some sort of regret that that may linger but but there's there's still the good will reign christ has already won he will won he he'll he has he will win he will win <laughs> <laughs> um and 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 that, that 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 will be realized either in this world or the next and and so the the smiling is just kind of a i'm enjoying the moment as horrible as that sounds i'm enjoying the moment because i'm saying we're going to look back on this and we're going to say god was at work and so i want to enjoy it at the moment and saying that god is at work now even if even if you don't realize the time i don't hold back because i know that in a sense you know that too and and sometimes my smile just reminds reminds you or my, my kind of my, my 
enjoyment of the moment. That sounds horrible. I'm not enjoying the moment. I'm not enjoying your pain <laughs> at all, at all. But there's just something about saying I'm, I'm kind of traveling time in a sense to when, when, when you'll understand this as well. And I'm, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. that moment ahead of time. We'll put it that way. Um, this used to, Pearl and I have shared this frustration often. We used to talk about this when, um, you know, one of the two of us would be in the midst of this complete breakdown and like, you're just not breaking down with us because you're just totally confident that. Because I break down a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I cry a lot. I I, I feel very, very deeply. So I can see what you're saying. If I'm not, then I'm, don't, don't take it as I'm not feeling deeply. I'm just. No, but so, so Pearl and I know that you, um, why do you always name your thing differently than me on Squadcast. <laughs> I did not I know do why that you one did this. Purpose. We've talked about it many times. I did oh, not do that one on purpose. Okay. I think I even the, beat you to it. Oh, that's probably true. So speaking of um, Perlas and Cowboys. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So no, Perla and I have um have talked about this because it's like you just have this confidence that that we're gonna pull through this and we're gonna respond to God as as you think that we're going to and and you're like um just this, this smiling, like this is going to be, you, you can see how this is going to end. And you just, you have a much greater confidence in us than we have in ourselves. (laughs) And um, yeah. So anyways, that, that part of just uh, that Joseph teaches us that faith in God includes believing that he can work even through our fears, our frailties and our weaknesses. And he also teaches us that amid the tempest of life, we must never be afraid to let the Lord steer our course because God always sees the bigger picture. So the next quote, uh, just a very quick one, obedience made it possible for him, Joseph, to surmount his difficulties and spare Mary. And they're, they're talking about his obedience in, um, in taking Mary into his home and, um, and doing as, as the angel commanded him in going to, to Egypt and all of these. And so you're just, your obedience, obedience is very important for, for any Christian, right? I did a, a podcast episode on this, um, vulnerable obedience, it was called. But obedience is important for any Christian, but it's especially important for a monastic. And and it's been very helpful for me that in in the last ten years of of our relationship with you as my spiritual father, you've really um, you've really taught me obedience. Not simply by teaching me about obedience, but like you're actually willing to walk the world, to to walk the walk, and 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 that encourages me to do the same. Like you live obedience very well, and um, and that encourages me to be obedient. But it also, I see you surmounting your own difficulties because of your obedience, and it's it's kind of like. Um, It's kind. Can you can you hear me? Okay, I'm having mm-hmm. some technical difficulties. Yeah, you're fine okay. on this end. So it's 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 kind of like when um, there's an episode of. Uh, so I I love Next Generation. I Star Trek um, Next Generation might be my favorite only because it was the first Star Trek that I watched. So there's just like the nostalgia there. But yep. then I also um, I also really like Voyager. Um, I, original series is is fine, but anyways. So in in next generation though there's like in in so many episodes Captain Jean-Luc Picard who I was in love with and wanted to marry um I didn't want to marry Patrick Stewart to be frank, <laughs> to, to be to be clear I didn't want to marry Patrick Stewart I wanted to marry Captain Jean-Luc Picard and 
So anyways, Captain Picard is, I feel like, I think I'm turning a little bit red. Captain Picard is confronted <laughs> with like this moral dilemma and it's a moral dilemma in which it's it's such a gray area and it's it's so difficult that you could kind of even like, you could understand if he chose wrongly, you know, and you're like, I know this isn't the right choice, but I wouldn't blame him if he did this. And then ultimately he chooses rightly and everything ends up better for it. Um, or there are a couple times where he chooses wrongly and um, things end up the worst for it. And eventually everything comes back around and it resolves. And But um, but you see that like to choose wrongly really did cause more pain, even though you could understand the choice. And And so it's like there have been times where you've been presented with a situation, I'm not going to name the particulars, but you've been presented with a situation where it's like, I could understand Father Michael being disobedient here because like, this is hard. Um, but you choose obedience anyways. And then, and then I just see you, like I see the difficulties disappear because of that. Like God just blesses your obedience. And so that reminds me that, that the same will be true for me if I choose obedience. I, I I can say this is just one of those overwhelming mercies that you know we talk about anamnesis in prayer, a remembrance of the good things God has already done, and and that allows us to you know the first part of prayer is anamnesis, remembering like stating God's glory, what He's already done, and then epiclesis, asking for something, you know, offering something back to God, and 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 offer and when we ask for that or ask the Holy Spirit to come down and receive something or to give us something, um, it's much easier to do that when the anamnesis comes very very clearly. So um, <laughs> I imagine one of the things you're talking about is, is me being moved um, here. And, uh, and of course, being obedient to the bishop, is that's like one of the most explicit things a priest can do. But you get moved, but man, alive, just shout out to my parishioners and to my friends here, the Schneers, the Miley's, the Marings. I mean, everybody here, all my friends and on the 30, like I, I will always, whenever I get moved again, will have that to like, when I, when I take that to prayer, I'll I'll have the experiences of of the. I was just thinking. I mean, I haven't been here two years, and it's it's been God's just given me this overwhelming because communities why I didn't want to leave, parishioners and family and companions, um, but God has given me that overwhelmingly. So yeah, if if even if it's not just dear listeners, even if it's not as obvious as mine was, like the things going forward, don't let the devil block your your remembrance. Um, your anamnesis, your recalling the good things God has done, because that can that can lead to so much hope going forward. And I think He does that on purpose. And this is, and in all honesty, it's even better than saying what God has done in our own private lives. We can actually look back and say what God has done for the people in the Bible. That's kind of what anamnesis originally was. You know, mm-hmm. you you led Moses out of Egypt. You know, you helped the Israelites cross the Red Sea. Um, you know, all all these things. You saved Paul from from this tragedy, from this shipwreck, so that he could. You know, dying room like that, things like that. So there's um, there's remembrance of the, the good things on this God has done in the scriptures in in that written record, but also in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. The next one is uh, this is this is this is a vulnerable one for me to share, but I'm sharing it. So the. Um, this is this is from the section of the document called An Accepting Father. And it says, Pope Francis writes, the nobility, I think he's actually quoting from one of his other documents, but I think it's still Pope Francis. The nobility of Joseph's heart 
is such that what he learned from the law, he made dependent on charity. Today, in our world where psychological, verbal, and physical violence towards women is so evident, Joseph appears as the figure of a respectful and sensitive man. Even though he does not understand the bigger picture, he makes a decision to protect Mary's good name, her dignity, and her life. In his hesitation about how to best act, God helped him by enlightening his judgment. Um, so Joseph appears as the figure of a respectful and sensitive man in our world where psychological, verbal, and physical evidence towards women is so evident. And, and he makes a decision to protect Mary's good name, her dignity, and her life. And there's this one, there's, there's a particular moment in our, our spiritual direction relationship that I've brought up to you several times because it's been one of the most significant moments for me in our relationship. And it came... Um, before my before my tonsure, uh, my tonsure when I received the habit and my new name and all of that back in 2016, that was five. That was almost five years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow! Good job. Did you, you ever think you'd make it this long? Four and a half. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I, um, I smiled and knew. Yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, that you're not kidding. That actually happened. <laughs> um, I remember being so mad at you when um, when I realized that I needed to start discerning here, and, and you were laughing, and I was like, "Because I'm yelling at you about how this is your fault and whatever." And yeah. Anyways, um, and you're just laughing, and you're like, "You'll laugh with me one day," and now I do, of course. So, because uh, you're right, and I have great joy being here. So, um, the anyways, the my tonsure. Um, it was interesting because the devil, like the devil clearly was trying to convince me to not be tonsured. But but his problem, like the reason it didn't work for him is because he was just being too obvious, right? So he's like telling me all of the reasons that I shouldn't be tonsured. And I just know they're all lies. And so I'm like, this is dumb. I'm, I'm going to be tonsured anyways. And so like, back off, devil. Um, I used more crude words than that towards him. But uh but basically I told him to back off and and I'm like, man, that was easy, right? And so then the devil changes his tactics and he becomes much more subtle because now he's tell now like back then. So he switches to telling me all of the reasons I should be tonsured and none. Um, because I think there's this realization of like, well, if she's gonna do it anyways let's at least have her do it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And so he starts telling me the reasons I should be tonsured to none. Um, and one of the primary ones, one of his primary attacks was like, you know what? You probably should be a nun because you know you're not going to be able to find a boyfriend anyways. You know no one's going to want to marry you at this point. You know that you couldn't be a good wife. You know that you couldn't be a good mother. You know that the world, the, that Jesus is just protecting the world from from you, basically, right? And he he used... Um, something that a, a, a man had told me um, right before I entered the monastery that I won't share what he said, um, but he, like the devil used that. He brought that memory back and he's like, this guy was right when he mm-hmm. said that like, it was good that you were entering a monastery and that this is why it's good. Like he was right. And and it was so painful to hear all of these things. And, and I didn't bring them to you right away um, because I was trying to just kind of, fight through them on my own because I was like, I'm supposed to be independent and whatever. Um, and, and then finally I brought them to you. Um, 
And I don't remember if I brought them to Jesus first. I should have if I didn't. But um, but your response to that was, you said, this is the moment in which the devil is attacking your feminine genius. And when he does that, you need to bring those things first to Jesus because Jesus is the number one man in your life. But then you also bring them to me and to Father Michael Lee, who was my confessor at the time, um, and to, to Father Steve, who's like one of my closest friends here, and, and to Father Travis, who was just Travis at the time. And, and you said these, these three other names or four other names, and you said, um, like, I mean, those three or four, not three or four mm-hmm. more. And you said, you bring them, you bring these things also to us the other important men in your life, because because as men, it is our job to fight for you and to protect you and to die for you and and to fight these lies for you, um, and that was just so impactful for me. and And that's that's immediately what I thought of here when I read this this about Saint Joseph being the respectful and the sensitive man and who who makes the decision to protect Mary's good name and her dignity and her life. Um, yeah. Amen. I, I, it, it is, and it's, it's hard in this, in this day and age. So it's, you know, I'll, I'll only speak on behalf of men. I, I don't, I don't even want to try to speak on behalf of women. But, but there's, <laughs> in, in this day and age, it is. In other words, I, well, I can, if, if somebody comes to me, and if a man comes to me in confession and says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, and I'll oftentimes say. You know, is is she is she Catholic as well? Is she is she convicted to not do this? Like, is she desiring the the beauty of of that not being a distraction to to discernment and and the the openness to life not being an, an issue and things like that 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 come from fornication before marriage and all those different things and and if they say yes, you know, and then uh, sometimes you'll you'll see that the guy is saying. You know, I'll say, well, I'm glad both of you are fighting for this, um, but but it's your it's your job to resist that invitation if it comes from her. And I would I would tell the woman the same thing. But I, I think there's something about I think especially for men, um, the resisting an invitation to to intimacy is really really hard. And and so when we when we see that when we perceive. Not, not even receive when we perceive an invitation in some way it's really really hard and and then our the devil comes into our mind and, and we start to blame it on the woman you know i i perceived an invitation and and therefore i'm i i need to give in like no you don't like like there there's something about about true christian like true masculinity that 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 needs to say even if even if the invitation is there and I, I know it's going to be harmful. I'm, I'm in a sense protecting the the authenticity and the integrity of this whole relationship, and that that's mm-hmm. part of the call. So I, I I do, I love that Pope Francis said that. I I love that that he perceived that from Saint Joseph as as one who who took took it as a personal responsibility to to protect um, Mary, and you know it's. Anyway, it, it's. I think. I think men, you will. You will. You will feel the beauty and your, of your masculine genius if you, if you, in a way that that again, we can we can be offensive about this too. We can we can seem to be mm-hmm. you know taking away um, women's independence and women's um, ability to protect themselves and protect others. We can we can do that, and that that's actually what easy to do. So we need to pray for wisdom. Um, but there's something so empowering 
about being able to, especially if if invited in that way by by a woman, to go ahead and and to to stand in the place of the mother of God, in the place of God the Father, in the place of the angels, to to be a protector. Amen. Mm-hmm. Um. So I have uh, four more, but a couple of them are very quick. So the next one, Joseph is certainly not passively resigned, but courageously and firmly proactive. In our own lives, acceptance and welcome can be an expression of the Holy Spirit's gift of fortitude. Only the Lord can give us the strength needed to accept life as it is with all its contradictions, frustrations, and disappointments. And then just a little bit later, he says, um, just as God told Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. He, so he seems to tell us, do not be afraid. We need to set aside all anger and disappointment <clears throat> and to embrace the way things are, <clears throat> sorry, even when they do not turn out as we wish, not with mere resignation, but with hope and courage. In this way, we become open to a deeper meaning. Our lives can be miraculously reborn if we find the courage to live them in accordance with the gospel. It does not matter if everything seems to have gone wrong or if some things can no longer be fixed. God can make flowers spring up from stony ground. Even if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. That's a quote from the first letter of St. John. So um, just my very brief comments on that. Like this is one of the one of the ways that you've lived this out most clearly in our relationship has been helping me get through the delay of my life profession and and of not just not just simply get through it right but like pope francis says um not with mere resignation but with hope and courage and and so to be able to see like i can honestly say at this point that my life profession being delayed um in so many ways has been a gift and a blessing. And it came about because of an evil. It came about because of COVID, which is an objective evil because it's illness. But um, but God has worked such good through it um, and so many miracles in my heart through the delay um, that I maybe wouldn't have been open to if you hadn't been there guiding me towards it. Amen, thank you. So the the next one is a quote that I want to share that um, this was on our Father's Day card. Have you gotten our Father's Day card yet? Yes. Okay. But I, I don't so, the, oh, that's fine. Um, this, this is on our Father's Day card. So uh, I just want to share it and it just speaks for itself. I don't have any further comments on it. Fathers are not born, but made. A man does not become a father simply by bringing a child into the world, but by taking up the responsibility to care for that child. Whenever a man accepts responsibility for the life of another, in some way, he becomes a father to that person. So, so actually, I do have a comment on it. I lied. Um, it's, this is what I meant at the beginning and in the last episode when I said this is meant to be an encouragement to all men because all men are called to be, to be spiritual fathers, whether or not they have biological children. Um, whenever a man accepts responsibility for the life of another, in some way, he becomes a father to that person. There's something. This goes back to, um, and I've never read this, but I've I've had, I've had uh, people, especially women, um, mention it to me. So I, I know, and multiple women have. So there's something about um, John Paul, and in his theology of the body, talks about, and you probably know this, sister, about kind of um, 
regaining virginity, even if you're mm-hmm. not a physical virgin. And there, there's mm-hmm. something about about true virginity, the potential of it, the barrenness of it, the 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 openness to to growth and to change, and all these things. Again, like the potential of virginity that, that that we can get back, and and that does not deny the scientific reality, you know, of 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 physical virginity, what that means. Um, but but I, I kind of see the same way that with the the idea of of true virginity, if you will, transcends the, the the physical virginity. And John Paul is very eloquent about this to give people hope, where you you can kind of you can have back the the intend what God intended, even if you have fallen um, or, or or become a victim. You know, in, in the case of rape and things like that, you you can have that back. It's not only a physical thing that the true God's intention for virginity transcends that. Um, and the same thing here, um, mm-hmm. where 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 the the reality the the god's intended reality transcends the the actual physical biological scientific reality. Yeah. Uh all right, two more quotes. This one um so these last two quotes both come from the section actually this the one I just read also did but the section of father in the shadows. So this quote um he he talks about this is one of the most beautiful things I've read about chastity. Um, He says, perhaps for this reason, Joseph is traditionally called a most chaste father. That title is not simply a sign of affection, but the summation of an attitude that is the opposite of possessiveness. Chastity is freedom from possessiveness in every sphere of one's life. Only when love is chaste, is it truly love. A possessive love ultimately becomes dangerous. It imprisons, constricts, and makes for mercy. Sorry, (laughs) makes for misery. (laughs) A possessive love ultimately becomes dangerous. It imprisons, constricts, and makes for misery. God himself loved humanity with a chaste love. He left us free even to go astray and set ourselves against him. The logic of love is always the logic of freedom, and Joseph knew how to love with extraordinary freedom. He never made himself the center of things. He did not think of himself, but focused instead on the lives of Mary and Jesus. So you've just, I mean, you've taught me this by the way that you love me with the the possessiveness with which you love me. Um, but also just by the way you are in your relationships with others and by the way that you guide me in detaching from the people that I love. Um, the way that you encourage me to grow out of possessiveness in my own relationships um, and, and to love more chastely in that way. Um, there was something, something else. I don't know. There was something else I was going to say about that, but I don't, I don't know what it was. And so maybe one of the, one I of the things, won't. One of the things I'll tell you, little one, is that there's going to be a lot more of that as yourself is longer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know, and that's probably one of the reasons why I've, why I've, I've really had to cling to a lack of possessiveness is because um, when I was your age and most of my friends were still single, and I, I, don't know, I know you're a monastic, but I'm in the world, um, you know, people get married and they just don't have time anymore and you make new friends and they move on with their life and and you will, yeah, as I've said before many times on this podcast and to you, like you, we, we will never be someone's best or favorite or only or, you know, 
um, the one they love most. And so that like you, as much as our our heart and the devil wants us to convince us that that we can do that, like when that when that starts to creep in, and then they leave or get taken away for some reason. When you experience that over and over and over again, it's actually God working and saying. You know, don't don't cling to this anymore. You know, I I am I am your everything. I'm all you need. And and when you're trying to to reach out and and find these things too, and then they just I mean I could I could name right now three three friends that I had in Denver over the course of the 15 years I was there that I I, I kind of find myself they were the first ones like if I had a free evening, hey, you know, are you available? And I just thought I got to stop seeking after people that I think are available because their vocation is they need to move on. Like they, they, they should not be available when, as when I am, because that means that they're not settled they're, and, and neither should I be, you know, I should be, I should have my community of priests. I should have my, my prayer time, et cetera. Um, so yeah, so a lot, a lot of that just comes from kind of repeated, repeated experiences that are hard, but, um, but then they end up, you you kind of you you stop looking for it, which is good, which is a virtue. And it, it, but it, it comes out of kind of hard lessons learned and and hard habits. Um, but yeah, so so if I can tell you as a celibate, though the world the world continues to move on, the world and and people get their vocations and and uh, and especially, I mean, you're 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 a bit. You're you're a little older than that age um, where most of your friends are single when most of the people your age, um, but but you I started really looking for you know I was ordained at 27 I was looking for people that were, you know if they said oh I don't want to get married I'm single for life I'm like great we'll be friends forever we'll both be like radically available you know things like that, um, and then uh, and then yeah and then you experience the the hardness of of them uh, moving to Indiana shout out to one of my friends who moved to Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's still single, but, um, but anyway, the various things like that, that you, you kind of like, Oh, okay. I, I, I don't want that to happen again. Um, but thank God it's not just moving away from that reality. It's moving towards Christ, um, mm-hmm. which, which is just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And the last one that I wanted to share is Pope Francis writes, every true vocation is born of the gift of oneself which is the fruit of mature sacrifice. Our gift of self will not come to fulfillment if it stops at sacrifice. Were that the case, instead of becoming a sign of the beauty and joy of love, the gift of self would risk being an expression of unhappiness, sadness, and frustration. And so so our vocation is, is born of a gift of self, but that if it stops at the sacrifice, um, then it doesn't come to fulfillment. Uh, kind of, kind of like you're saying. Of it's, it's moving towards Christ. It's mm-hmm. not a simply moving away from this other thing. Um, but, but you, like the the joy that you exude in in your celibate vocation is just very clear for all of the people that you encounter. Like for 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 all who encounter you, you are a sign of the beauty and joy of love of that, that the beauty and joy of, of the self-sacrifice. Um, you know, I, I clarified this for, I hope this listener doesn't, doesn't take this personally because I don't, I don't mean it in that way, but you know, one of the, one of our listeners had emailed and, um, beautiful email, but in part of it, you know, he had said like that when he, when he heard me talking on Matt Frad about, um, the ache that I still feel for, for a spouse and for children, he said his heart ached for me, and um, and I responded to the other things in his email. But but in in regards to that, you know, I said 
don't let your heart ache for me too much because like I don't know if I if I express this if I express this well on the interview with Matt, but like I I experience a lot of joy and fulfillment and like in this vocation. Like it's it's not like I'm I'm like that ache is there. The ache is there. I do want a husband, I do want children, and I'm sure I always will. And I hope I always will because that's a gift, that ache. Um, but but it's not like I'm sitting here pining away in that ache or uh, or that I'm just like super depressed or that I'm miserable or that I, I think I made the wrong choice or anything like that, you know? Um, and, um, but, I, but I can understand how hearing me talk about that ache because it's such a strong ache for me, hearing me talk about it, I can understand how that would be interpreted um, or could be interpreted in that way. And I just like, you just so exude the joy that I think that that misconception can't even be there. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, you're just a, a sign of the beauty and the joy of, of that self-sacrificial love. Thank you. I'll continue to work on that too. And one thing I, I do, I would just say again to the listeners is that please do let those let that joy show because that is such an important part of evangelization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, there are certain personalities, you know, people that, that are kind of the Eeyore and whatever the, that personality test is about like, which Winnie the Pooh character are you? You know, that there are per- people that are the Eeyore that, that are more, you know, prone to melancholy. And, and I, I think it's, it's, it's harder for them rather than my sanguine, it's harder for them to, to like, they actually put effort into showing where, where the goodness is, but, but please share that with the world. It's, I mean, it's a good news. It's a gospel. It's an evangelion that, that is very important for the world to see. Um, you know that's why I love the fact that that in the in the in our Catholic and Apostolic Church, Orthodox included, like like weddings are public. You know we don't we don't go to some private island somewhere and and you know have a wedding. No, they are public. It, like that manifestation of the binding of the two people and the joyful full mystery of crowning is something to be shared. You know I I it's I, I hate. You know, invite lists. I mean, you know this being about already got to undergo your uh. your final profession, like invite lists, because everybody should, the whole public should be welcome to these things. You know, um, to, to, because the the world should see such joyful moments. Um, we had a great baptism of of Steve's little baby, as as we talked mm-hmm. about in the last one, and it was just it, the church was packed. We had all the Romanians there. It was just such a, and I was like, this this is such a light in the church. It needs to be shown. It needs to be manifested. So yeah, let 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 the good show, whether it's in your marriage or in your celibacy, wherever, you know that that's a ministry. It's a homily to the world. It's it's a, a great you know way of evangelization for sure. Yeah. And again, I, you know, we talked about this a few episodes ago, but mark your calendars, listeners, because September 26th, Sister Petra and I will be making our life profession and we are going to live stream it. So it'll be live streamed from Christ the Bridegroom's Facebook page. Um, yeah. And so, there will be, yeah. obviously, we wish we could invite you all. There are restrictions because of COVID. So um, <laughs> because of that, yeah. it's, it's, it's by already received an invite only. Um, but yeah, it will, thank God it'll be live streamed and there's some other, other really cool things happening that we'll announce later on with that as well. Um, but yeah, amen. Yeah. So anyways, I got through all the quotes in the document. So that's, I mean, I just heard the the bells for Compline too in the background. Didn't I? Compline at 4 40 PM or Vespers or whatever you're doing next. Maybe Vespers. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, Vespers for the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. Oh, that's right. We're doing 6.30 tonight. Nice. So I have one yeah. note. Um, this is, came from a, a friend of mine, Melkite Joe. Shout out to you. Um, he was, I have not read it, but supposedly um, there is a book on the consecration of St. Joseph that, that's very popular and it's going around um, nowadays. And I will just say that, that it, it seems that that book uh, dismisses, is very dismissive of our Byzantine concept of of St. Joseph, an ancient, ancient, ancient tradition in the East that comes from the Proto-Evangelium of St. James, second century, very early tradition, uh, says that Joseph was an old man, that that he had children from a previous marriage, and those were, he was a widower, and those children are the the brothers and sisters talked about in the Bible. Now, that is that is not dogma, um, but but I would just, I, I, I would resist any, concept that is dismissive of such an ancient tradition in the church that has so many so much evidence in tradition and and also in in, in writing so we can be open dismissive to things. and belittling yeah that's what i hear i didn't read it but it's okay dismissive and belittling of of that whole tradition that is very very eastern so just i'll ask you listeners be weary if you are doing the consecration or if you're reading that book um please please do not mirror his his dismissiveness and what I hear is dismissiveness and, and, and mocking of any tradition. Um, the fact that he was, he could have been an old widower who was, who was taking care of the mother of God in such a, in such a, a fatherly way, in a sense with her too, is, is actually can be a very, very beautiful thing. But um, let's, let's be open to these things. We'll find out in heaven, of course, which, which, which one is, is correct. But I think we need to approach it with humility and, um, and understanding that there are ancient traditions that we just cannot blow off because, um, because of something else we've heard or learned. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, uh, oh, before we give prayer intention, do we have to, are we supposed to do that at the end of every episode? Is that what we had decided? Prayer intentions? Yeah. No, oh. no, we do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The- okay. Please check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pottery Michael O. Goodreads, YouTube, and then please rate and review us because it's helpful to evangelization. And we get mm-hmm. no money. We don't like attention. I kind of like attention. We don't like attention. And <laughs> n- none of this is does anything good for us. So we're not, we're not doing this selfishly. We're kind of doing it selfishly. But it's, we're, we're, we're trying not to do it selfishly at all. So pray for us. We don't do this selfishly and help us out. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, prayer intention. I'm gonna ask for prayers for my friend Joanna um, who came to visit uh, a couple weeks ago and she just her and her family are in need of prayers right now I'm not going to give the specifics but please pray for her Amen and I will ask you to pray for um, a young lady named Jessie who is uh, again she just popped to mind because she is house sitting Father Nathan's cats and uh, we had a great conversation last night. It's actually Father Nathan's cousin, Jesse. So pray for, for cousin Jesse, who's, who's around this week when Father Nathan is gone. Um, she's asked me to uh, come and cover for some of her responsibilities because supposedly there's stuff going on that I have no idea what it is in her life, but, we, but whatever it is, so pray for that all that gets, gets reconciled and just, of course, pray for her in general as we do for each other. Okay, great. Father, give the blessing. May the Lord bless you all and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and have mercy on you. May he send you forth into this world to be inspired by the saints, to ask them for intercession, to be inspired by their stories and also the ongoing relationship you may have with them. May our Lord 
allow you the eloquence and the humility and confidence to, to build up those you love in a way that they will respond to. May he allow you to receive that building up in a way that is healthy and helpful. May you respond with conviction and encouragement. Um, may our Lord grant you everything you need to become holy and to be completely united with him. And may he give you wisdom to discern what in your life is helpful to that end. And may he give you the courage to jettison those things that are not. May he protect you from the many attacks of the devil. And may he allow you to call to mind those whom he wants you to pray for as well and intercede for. Lord, wish you this day and always. May he allow you to receive everything for the salvation of your soul. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for your fatherhood. Thank you, sister. You're so kind and loving. I appreciate it. Love you. Love you, listeners. Bye. Bye, y'all.